Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Tuesday, March 1st, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent you. So it is franchise tag deadline day in the National Football League. If a team chooses to place the franchise tag on a player, they must do it by 4 o'clock Eastern time today. And there is breaking news as I sit here and begin recording this podcast. Vaughn Miller has been tagged by the Denver Broncos. That's right. The Denver Broncos have placed the exclusive franchise tag on Super Bowl MVP Vaughn Miller. Also, the Carolina Panthers have placed the franchise tag on Josh Norman, though I'm not seeing if that's exclusive or non-exclusive. And the difference is, you know, with an exclusive franchise tag, like Von Miller's given the exclusive franchise tag now, he cannot go out and negotiate with other teams. However, if other players are given non-exclusive franchise tags, that player can, with the non-exclusive tag, can go out and negotiate with other teams. And if he came to an agreement, the, the original team that, that tagged that player can always match that offer. The risk that you take if you come to an agreement, if you're another team out there that comes to an agreement with the player who has been given the non-exclusive franchise tag, uh, if the original team doesn't want that player anymore, well, guess what? The team that signs that guy has to give up two first-round picks, right? It's two first-round picks as compensation. So uh, we'll keep an eye on the franchise tag and what happens if anything else breaks. So here we go. Yeah, another one breaking. Here, right, as I'm recording this podcast, Kirk Cousins has been given a non-exclusive franchise tag by the Washington Redskins. So it's tag deadline day in the National Football League I don't get as worked up about the NFL franchise tag deadline as I did the NHL trade deadline yesterday or as I did the NBA trade deadline last week. This is just uh, a deadline to put the NFL in the news on March 1st, uh, you know, to make the league relevant here during the offseason. You know, we got a lot of other stuff going on. The NHL playoff race, uh, the NBA playoff race, we got... Spring training games beginning this week. You know, we're getting closer to the uh, conference tournaments and college basketball next week. And, of course, the NCAA tournament coming up this month in just a couple weeks. So there's a lot going on. The NFL, though, here we are talking about them to open this show. And every time you look up at the TV screen, there's another piece of breaking news as to somebody getting the franchise tag in the National Football League. So I'll keep my eye on that, obviously, as I go on today. And even after I'm done recording today's podcast, there will be some other players who have been hit with the franchise tag, and I'll react to it all tomorrow. Uh, Yesterday, the NFL was also in the news, as I told you a little bit, even though mostly on yesterday's show, I did an NHL trade deadline reaction. But still, the news yesterday was that Tom Brady 
received an extension, a two-year extension. He will be around for four more seasons, at least here with the New England Patriots. And it's a great move for the organization because they are able to, at least this is what we expect. We expect this Tom Brady extension to free up some salary cap space for the New England Patriots. And for Tom Brady, I mean, he doesn't have to do this. You know, he could easily ask to be the highest paid player in the history of the game. And yet here he is once again being unselfish. And and that's something that we have grown to get used to, really, with this guy. And uh, so, I mean, I don't think anybody's really surprised with this news. But the question today is, and this is now the hot take on the Tom Brady extension. Like, this is every website you go to, every poll that you see, every Twitter account that covers the Patriots, they're all going to be asking this question. Should the Patriots trade backup quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, to be honest with you, it's not really a topic that gets me fired up. I mean, Garoppolo signed for the next two years. He turns 25 in November. I mean, I don't assume that he would stay as a free agent in 2018 unless he's guaranteed a job. But, I mean, nothing's guaranteed in the NFL. So, yeah, you should trade Jimmy Garoppolo if you have an opportunity to do so and you think you could get something back in return that could help this team right now. But I just, one, I don't know what you'd get in return for a backup quarterback in this league right now. Two, you also have to factor in the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo at least from everything that I've seen and heard from players and people in the organization and people that cover the team, Garoppolo is a pretty good scout team quarterback. And I think that is a very valuable thing to have. And I do think the Patriots value that. Now, I don't know that someone like Garoppolo wants to be a scout team quarterback the rest of his career. In fact, I do know he probably doesn't. So you don't see many players value that position for very long. Maybe at first... Garoppolo has sort of embraced the role and has tried to be the best he can at that role at practice leading into a game every single week. But, I mean, you don't get to the NFL to be a scout team quarterback and try to just replicate the opposing QB during practice your entire career. Like, that that's not why you go to the National Football League. So, Garoppolo, I think he's probably saying to himself, all right, my future as a starting quarterback is not in New England. And I don't know, but I don't know that that's new news to him. I don't know that this Tom Brady extension is really earth-shattering news to even a Jimmy Garoppolo to the point where he's saying, oh man, now I'm never going to get my shot in New England. Like, I just feel like he he's probably looking at it going, you know what, when my contract's up in two years, I'm out. I'm going to be a free agent and I'm gone. Nothing's guaranteed in this league. I want to be a starting quarterback, and I could probably go out and, uh, you know, get a decent offer and at least get a shot somewhere to be a starter. And that shot's not going to happen in New England. So, I mean, the conversation about Tom Brady's backup has never really gotten me too fight up. It hasn't. And it, even with the Tom Brady extension, Jimmy Garoppolo trade talk doesn't really get me, get me going. You know, that's not the top story in uh, my world today. But... To a lot of people with the Tom Brady extension news, the hot take is, and the question asked is, 
Should the Patriots trade Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, yeah. I mean, if you get something for him that's valuable enough, yeah, make the move, right? If you do, it's not the end of the world. If you don't, it's not the end of the world. Tom Brady's your starting quarterback. And that's all I really care about with the New England Patriots. And uh, also, speaking of the Patriots, I know yesterday I talked a little bit about this extension with Brady And I said, you know, everything is great in the world of the Patriots organization. And I get it. Deflategate, while it's still a thing, and as long as the Patriots are without their draft picks still that they were taken away from that, that have been taken away from them because of Deflategate, I get you could say, well, it's not a perfect world right now with the New England Patriots, and maybe not everything is great. Uh, I was talking about really just the personnel and the players they currently have and where they are as an organization uh, with regards to their talent and their chances to win next season. Let's face it, if the Patriots don't get those draft picks back, is anybody going to be going into next season saying, well, because they didn't get to make that first-round pick, they do not have a shot to get back to the AFC Championship game or even the Super Bowl? I mean, is anybody going to be saying that? If you do, you're out of your fucking mind because that's just that's outrageous. The Patriots don't need to make their first-round pick next year to have a chance to win a Super Bowl next season. Now, I'd love to see him be able to make that first-round pick, but with regards to their chances to win here the next two, three years, I don't think they need to make that pick. What they need to do is keep someone like Jamie Collins around. What they need to do is keep someone like Dante Hightower around. And, you know, I, I was, I'll sit here and tell you that I'd like to see Chandler Jones stick around but if he's maybe the salary cap casualty after you re-sign Jamie Collins and re-sign Dante Hightower, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and, and be overly upset with it and tell you that the Patriots still will not have a shot. Um, if there is someone who should be the casualty out of those three, Collins, Hightower, Jones, Chandler Jones to me is third on that list of guys uh, that you need more. Guys that you need the most. I, I'll take Collins and Hightower over Jones. I will. But who knows? You know, with the Brady extension, we have to wait and see what this will do for the salary cap. And, and you know, the Patriots, maybe they make some other moves and maybe they do open up some cap space and maybe they're able to bring back all three of those guys. But all of that put aside, for right now, knowing that Brady's here the next four years, All is right with the New England Patriots with regards to their talent. They got the offensive line coach, Dante Skarnecchia, returning next season. The Patriots are still going to be one of the favorites to win Super Bowl 51. And uh, that's why I said yesterday, you look at this Brady extension and you think with regards to the talent and the roster, all is right in the world of the New England Patriots. And, And I've sort of, I'm putting Deflategate aside when I say that. And, and I know I can't put it aside for that much longer because Deflategate will resume on Thursday. Oral arguments in the NFL's appeal will be heard on Thursday in a courtroom in New York. And um, we'll keep an eye on that. I don't know how much information we're going to get to even be able to react to on Friday, a day after that uh, court hearing. And, and perhaps maybe by the time I record on Thursday, we'll know some stuff. But uh, I don't want to do Deflategate, but as long as the NFL keeps fighting it, it's something that we're going to have to do. So we'll keep an eye on that. 
and the NFL. What do you know? In the news on March 1st. That's what they love. The NFL loves being in the news every single day of the calendar year, even if it's bad news. They just love it. They love the publicity. They love it. And oh, yeah, one more. One more bit of NFL news before I move on to some other stuff. Peyton Manning. We all thought he was retiring, right? Woody Page of the Denver Post. He reported over the weekend. Good old Woody Page uh, from around the horn. You see him on Around the Horn on ESPN, Denver Post columnist. He reports that Peyton Manning is going to retire this week. That's what he reported over the weekend. Well, today I'm reading a story here, and I'm reading it on Pro Football Talk because I literally just clicked on the link right before I started reporting. So it's not Pro Football Talk reporting this. It's actually Adam Schefter. Pro Football Talk is reporting what Adam Schefter said. I know, there's so many news outlets, sometimes this can get confusing as to who reports what. But Adam Schefter, he said today that in a perfect world, Peyton Manning would like to keep playing. He'd like to keep playing. Huh. So maybe Woody Page either jumped the gun or had a bad source. I don't know what this is. But, uh... Perhaps Peyton Manning does see an opportunity in L.A. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think he should just leave the game, wins his second Super Bowl, walk away. Like, I, I think you leave, walk out on top. You got so much shit going on with your name in it right now, with that Title IX lawsuit bringing us all the way back to the uh, sexual assault allegations and that's not done. That's There's still going to be something else going on with that. You know it, and I know it. The HGH allegations, if I'm Peyton Manning, I just get out of the game while I can. Get out on top, right? I don't know what else that you could go out and try to prove. I mean, do you really think you're going to go play for the Rams and win a championship next year? Come on. Come on. Peyton Manning should retire. Willie, I thought he would, but you see some of this stuff. And you think, well, maybe he is a guy who is feeling good about himself after winning a Super Bowl and saying, hey, I think I got one more left in me, right? I think I got one more left. And some guys hold on a little too long. They do. And uh, maybe he just loves it so much. These guys have been playing football. They've been doing this their whole lives. They don't know anything else. He doesn't know what else to do. You know, you can only record so many Papa John's commercials, right, (laughs) Every, every year. You can't just do commercials all year. You can't. And even Peyton Manning knows that. As many commercials as he does, even even he knows that. So we'll keep an eye on the Peyton Manning stuff. But early reports were, and I think early common sense was that he would retire. Now, going against common sense and going against the early reports, there's a report coming from Adam Schefter that says Peyton Manning would like to keep playing. Okay, then. We'll keep an eye on it. But uh, moving on from the National Football League. I mean, it is a beautiful thing, right? March 1st, all this shit going on, and the NFL is a top story. It is. The NFL, if they had it their way, they would be the only story every single day of the calendar year. That's their goal. And, uh... They're reaching their goal, I can tell you that. (laughs) They're doing a nice job of it. 
Well, moving on from the NFL. Well, it's Super Tuesday, so make sure you get out and vote today. But once you're done voting for the serious stuff uh, and the president of the United States, make sure you go to my website, dannypicard.com, and vote on the poll that I have at the top right of the page. And the poll is, who was calling the shots for the Boston Bruins at yesterday's NHL trade deadline? Who was calling the shots? Was it the GM, Don Sweeney? Was it Cam Neely? Was it the Jacobs family? Was it ownership? Vote right now. I told you what I think on yesterday's podcast. Uh, I just went off on the Bruins, on the organization. Um, I told you that I placed the blame on ownership. I, I think that ownership, the Jacobs family, they have their fingerprints all over what the Bruins did and didn't do yesterday before the 3 o'clock NHL trade deadline. So make sure you go vote. I'm curious to, to see what you think. But also, while you do vote, or maybe before you vote, listen to yesterday's podcast to hear my reasoning and my reaction to the Bruins and their moves at the trade deadline. They keep Louis Erickson. They go out and get a depth defenseman, a depth forward, two guys in Stepniak and Lyles who do not put them over the top who do not put the Bruins in position uh, to win a Stanley Cup this year, even when they keep around a Louis Erickson, right? You keep Louis Erickson, come on. I I mean, I like Louis Erickson. He's a nice player. But keeping Louis, adding Lyles, adding Stepniak, the Bruins didn't scare anybody yesterday in the NHL. Nobody in the NHL is looking at the Bruins going, oh, they just became a tougher team to beat, right? I mean, I, I think, you know, they're good moves. Like, you add good pieces. But the Bruins didn't need just good additions. They needed great additions. And they needed a maybe the best addition on the blue line of the entire league. And they didn't go out and get that. And you could say, well, that guy wasn't available. Well, fine. Then don't add a Lyles. Don't add, you know, don't add a 35-year-old defenseman who's going to take playing time now away from someone like Joe Morrow. Young kid like Joe Morrow, who, who's going to essentially keep Colin Miller down in Providence. Makes no sense. So, uh, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. I really went off on that, and, and I told you. I think the Jacobs family, to answer the question, the poll question that I have on my website right now, go and vote, to answer that question, who was calling the shots for the Boston Bruins at yesterday's trade deadline? Uh, I'm telling you right now, I think the Jacobs family's fingerprints are all over that. Are all over those moves yesterday. And and that's a sad day for the organization. It is. Because I it, it what they what the Bruins did yesterday and even what they didn't do by not trading Louie, I, I just think they did not do the job of an organization that should be realistic with where they stand in the rest of the league this season. And all they wanted was another playoff series. They did not want to miss the playoffs too straight years. And when you look at the standings in the NHL right now, because Detroit won last night, the Bruins get knocked down to one of the wild card spots. Only two points ahead of the second wild card in the Pittsburgh Penguins. So the Bruins have 74 points. The Penguins have 72. Those are your two wild card teams in the East. And again, Detroit with their win in Dallas last night in overtime, 3-2 over Dallas in overtime. Detroit bounces up from a wild card spot to 
the third place seed in the Atlantic Division. So if the playoffs began today, right now, Detroit would play Tampa Bay and the Bruins would play the Florida Panthers. And uh, the Bruins have a tough stretch now. They have a tough stretch. You look at their schedule. They play Calgary tonight at home. And Calgary isn't a great team. The Bruins should win this game, but it's at home. And the Bruins are terrible at home this year. So it's not a guaranteed win, right? It should be, but it's not. And then on Thursday night at home, they play the Chicago Blackhawks, who just loaded up before the trade deadline. So that's that's not a win for the Bruins, I don't think. And then on Saturday at home, they play the Washington Capitals, the best team in the Eastern Conference. Then they go to Florida. They go to Tampa Bay, two playoff teams. Then they're at home against Carolina. They should be Carolina. They just beat them in Carolina. But again, it's at home, so you never know. Then they're at home against an Islanders team that's a playoff team. Then they go on a West Coast trip at San Jose, at Anaheim, at L.A. against the Kings. And then they come back to the East Coast at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers, at home against the Panthers. I mean, it's a tough stretch. And then in April, they play Saint at St. Louis, at Chicago, at home against Detroit. It, it, the schedule for the Bruins is awfully tough. And uh, the moves that they made yesterday, it's just, it, it, it's upsetting to see that, that you would make those moves and be okay with just getting into the playoffs. Just for the fact that you could make some extra money to not miss the playoffs for two straight years. It's it's a sad day for the Bruins organization. It's a sad week. And uh, I gave my full reaction on yesterday's podcast. But that's where we stand in the NHL. Uh, last night in the NBA, bringing it back here locally, still the Celtics won last night at home over Utah, 100-95. to Avery Bradley with a huge block last night in this game. Late, I mean, an absolute huge block on Gordon Haywood. Basically won him the game. And uh, you also in this one, Jordan Mickey got some nice playing time. Seven minutes. I know you could say with seven minutes, is that nice playing time? Uh, yeah, I think for a kid who's been in the D-League uh, all season long, he steps in. And he had two blocks, three points, two blocks in seven minutes in the second quarter. I I, I liked what I saw out of Jordan Mickey. He's an undersized center, but he's got that length. He's got that reach. He loves to swatch shots. The Celtics last night, 13 blocks as a team in this game. 13. And let's see, you got Amir Johnson with two blocks. Jonas Jarebko with two blocks. Jordan Mickey with two blocks, as I mentioned. Tyler Zello with two blocks. So 13 blocks as a team for the Celtics last night. Nine players had at least one block. And you had, let's see here, one, two, three, four players had multiple blocks for the Celtics in this one last night. A 100-95 to win. The NBA standings, if you look at them today, the Celtics in that third seed still 36-25 and record. Uh, They are seven games behind Cleveland. The Toronto Raptors are still in second place. They are two and a half games behind Cleveland. The Raptors with 39 wins 
on the season. But if the playoffs began today in the NBA, the Celtics would be playing the Charlotte Hornets, the three versus the six seed. They'd be playing the Hornets, and uh, I'd take the Celtics in that series for sure. And of course, you get that three seed, it means you wouldn't have to run into Cleveland in the second round, uh, you, but you might run into Toronto. So that's how the standings look. And, you know, when I when I think of the playoffs and I look at that game last night and I, I watch someone like Jordan Mickey, even though it was very limited, seven minutes, okay, only seven minutes. I don't want to overreact to seven minutes and a guy who only scores three points, has two blocks, but, I mean, you can see him out there. He's got the athleticism. He's got the intensity. Like, that one play, they stole it. Crowder gives it down low to him. Jordan Mickey underneath the basket. He comes around, and he slams it down with the dunk. I just, I, I don't want to overreact to a dunk, but I like the fact that he threw it down. And on the other end, when he came up with that block, that's what Jordan Mickey does. And in fact, he had two blocks in this game, and he's the exact reason why I do. N- I did not want this Celtics team before March first to go out and add any type of veteran to this roster that was going to take some playing time, potentially either late in the season or maybe even in a playoff game, away from someone like a Jordan Mickey. Now, I'm not sitting here guaranteeing you that Jordan Mickey is going to get some playing time, some more playing time down the stretch or even in the playoffs. But I. But what I will say is, you should keep the option open. And if you brought someone in, some veteran who got waived or uh, who got bought out to, to come to this Celtics team, much like I heard some people wanting the Celtics to go out and add Joe Johnson, I never wanted that. And I told you I didn't want that because, and I know Jordan Mickey and Joe Johnson, it's, they're different players, obviously. Different positions. But still, just that extra guy on the roster would, would take away the option of maybe using someone like Mickey. Or somebody else on this roster down the stretch, a younger player. And I don't think that's the position you should be putting yourself in if you're this Celtics organization. So you see someone like Mickey getting seven minutes of playing time last night. Hey, if he keeps it up, he keeps swatting shots. Guess what? He's going to keep getting more playing time. And Brad Stevens, coach of the Celtics, he actually texted Jordan Mickey yesterday saying, be ready to go for this one. Jordan Mickey was ready to go, and even though it was limited, it was only seven minutes, it was a good seven minutes from Jordan Mickey last night, and I do think you'll see more of him as the season goes on, and I don't think that's a bad thing because got to, you know get the kids some playing time, get them some experience, even if it's in the playoffs. Get them the playoff experience now, I'm telling you. I, I think that's one of the benefits that you have as an organization that's a young team with a young coach, that that also as an organization, you know, you hear Danny Ainge speak. They're realistic with their chances. That they're not going to win a championship this year. I mean, they're the third seed in the East. And the, and the president of basketball operations has come out and said, yeah, not this year. This isn't the year. Uh, so that's pretty realistic. It's the type of realistic approach I wish the Bruins would have. And I wish they didn't go out and get Lyles. And I wish they did have a spot for someone like Colin Miller to come up and get more playing time here down the stretch, even for a team that if the playoffs began today is in the playoffs like the Bruins are. You know, you should be wanting to get Colin Miller playoff experience right now. But the Bruins, well, not only are they being unrealistic, they have a mindset and a philosophy that once again, as I told you, has the fingerprints of an owner 
who does not want to miss the playoffs for two straight years. And and it's upsetting. So I hate to keep going back to that, but that's what we're doing today. A day after the NHL trade deadline, everybody's still react, reacting to it. I gave my full reaction to the Bruins deadline moves on yesterday's podcast, so make sure you go back and listen to that. But the Celtics, last night, big win over Utah. They remain in that third seed, and a big block from Avery Bradley late, and of course, a nice seven minutes from Jordan Mickey. Good to see as the Celtics were blocking shots all over the place last night. What else last night? Well, I did watch Raw. I watched Monday Night Raw last night, a little of it, and... um. You know, Celtics priority. I was now I was in studio a little later than usual yesterday because I waited until after the trade deadline. I waited until after the uh, Don Sweeney press conference to get things fired up to record this show. And so I was in here in the studio at Beantown Athletics a little bit later than I usually am. So uh, I wasn't able to have my regular routine sitting down watching an entire basketball game like I usually do with the Celtics and enjoy doing. But I did that when I did get home, that was my priority, the second half of that game. And uh, I was flipping back and forth, and I, I saw some of Monday Night Raw, and, and I got caught up on some of the other things that happened, and I saw the end. Like, that's really, that's really the only part you should see, the beginning and the end but the end, more than anything else, the last 10, 15 minutes. And, and at the end, Dean Ambrose and Triple H had their little moment once again, as they had earlier on in Raw. And uh, to the point where Raw ends by Triple H basically saying that Dean Ambrose is going to get a title shot before WrestleMania. Triple H is the champ, and as you know, if you've been paying attention to what's going on at WrestleMania... Well, the main event is Triple H defending the title against Roman Reigns. And uh, people don't like the fact that Roman Reigns is in the main event. But since he's Vince McMahon's guy, hand-picked, want, they want him to be the face of the company, we think it looks like all signs and all roads to WrestleMania pointing towards Roman Reigns winning the title at WrestleMania in the first week of April. And... Uh, Last night, though, was an interesting twist because Dean Ambrose, we think, is fighting Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, right? I mean, we think that? At least that's what they seemingly have set up for us, Brock Lesnar versus Dean Ambrose. But Dean Ambrose is going to be fighting Triple H for the title at this event that is on WWE Network in a couple weeks on a Saturday night. What's it called? Roadblock, I think? And he's getting a title shot. I don't know if this is a sign that maybe they're changing their minds on the main event. And and perhaps Ambrose wins the title and he defends the belt against Brock Lesnar. Maybe that's it. I don't know. And, and Triple H still fights Roman Reigns. I, we'll see. I'm not sure. But um, it is interesting that this is the road they're going to go down as we get closer to... WrestleMania. Now, Roman Reigns is out with a broken nose. He literally has a broken nose. If you see any of WWE's pictures on Instagram or social media, you, you know that that's not a fake injury. That's a real injury. So, uh, he, he, I don't think he was there last night, right? Unless I missed something. I didn't watch the entire event, but uh, I don't think he was there. It was Ambrose, Triple H, The Undertaker showed up in the ring of Vince McMahon. I still do not think The Undertaker is going to fight Shane McMahon, even though that's another match they're setting up for us. 
I think somebody else is going to come out and fight the battle for Shane McMahon. I, I gave you some options. Could be Sting. Could be Cena back from injury earlier than expected. Could be Seth Rollins back from injury earlier than expected. I would be more surprised with Rollins because that was a knee. Uh, and I wasn't Cena's. Cena's was a shoulder, right? I think. I think it was. Either way, Rollins and Cena out with injuries. So is, actually, so is Sting, right? Didn't he do something to his, his back or his neck or something? Those guys are injured. I, somebody put it this way. Maybe it's not one of those three names that I mentioned. I was just throwing names against the wall the other day. But I think somebody is going to step up and, and fight Undertaker at WrestleMania. Right now, they're setting us up for Undertaker versus Shane McMahon. There's no way that actually happens, right? There's no way. That's what they're saying right now, and uh, I-, I just don't think it's going to go down like that. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. And, of course, here as March begins, March 1st, we will have some spring training baseball games. I know I can't wait to sit here in the studio, record this podcast, and just have a game playing in front of me, a baseball game. And, uh, you know, we- look, we're getting some great weather here in Boston, here in New England, the last couple weeks. And... It, it, it kind of makes it a little bit more difficult to appreciate spring training. The, the way you do when it's it's cold out and freezing cold and there's snow on the ground here in the month of February and early March, right? Usually when, when it's snowing out and we have actual winter weather here in New England, I appreciate spring training and watching baseball games on TV in March a little bit more. But now that we actually have some great weather in late February, early March, you know, it is a little bit more difficult to appreciate a spring training game, but uh, I am fired up about regular season baseball. You know, I'm, I'm almost at a point, let's just get to the regular season, but we have a full month now of spring training games, so I'll keep my eye on that and the storylines that are going on. Uh, with the Red Sox, bringing it back here locally, yesterday, Christian Vasquez, young catcher, who threw, he says he feels great. Says he feels great. Vasquez... Underwent Tommy John surgery on his right elbow, his throwing elbow, last March. But he made a dozen throws to different bases yesterday uh, with the bullpen coach and with manager John Farrell watching. Vasquez, after said he felt great. Uh, It was received with rave reviews from the organization. And reading some reports on the team and and what Vasquez is going to do next, Vasquez, the plan calls for Vasquez to throw to bases again tomorrow, and then he's going to catch the ace, David Price, in a simulated game at the minor league complex on Saturday. So uh, this is a good thing because if you've listened to me, you know how I feel about the catching position with the Red Sox. If Vasquez is ready to go, he's going to be their guy. People, the insiders, the experts, they can tell me whatever they want. I've told you what the organization, what people in the organization have told me about Christian Vasquez going back two years ago. Remember that offseason? They let Salta Lamacchia go because he wanted a multi-year deal, and I think he ended up getting a three-year deal with the Marlins, and the Red Sox signed A.J. Perzinski to a one-year deal, right? This was the 2014 season. Going into that season, I was told by people in the organization, the Red Sox organization, That Christian Vasquez was, one, untouchable in any deal. And two, they only signed Perzinski and chose not to bring back Jared Saltalamacchia because they felt Vasquez would be ready 
by the summer of 2014. They, they felt he'd be ready by, I think they, I, I was told, June of that season. Now, if you watch that season play out, Vasquez was ready and, and made his debut at one point during that season. The timetable wasn't exactly the same. It was a little bit later than June, but, but the sentiment was real. The idea that the organization felt, felt so strongly about Vasquez then, I was told they compared him internally behind the scenes. They compared him to the next Yadier Molina, and that's some high praise for a catcher in this league. And um, if you're a catcher in this league, defensive catcher with a big arm who can throw base runners out, nobody's going to run on you. Yadier Molina is the guy that that you want to be compared to. So that's who they compared Yadier Molina to. And uh, he obviously had the Tommy John surgery last March. And here we are now, a year later. He's thrown a bases. He feels great. Uh, he's going to catch a simulator game for David Price this week. And it looks good. And I know people love Swihart's offense. Young kid, I get it. But uh, I tell you what, Vasquez is going to be their guy. He is. I just, I just feel that way. If they feel the same way about him after Tommy John surgery that they felt before, you know, going into the 2014 season, when you are making plans in the organization for a certain catcher, I don't think that a year later, I don't think that a year later you change, two years later you change those plans. I don't. And I think that if Christian Vasquez at any point coming up here this season, if he's ready to go, He's going to be their guy. He's going to be the guy that's going to be catching David Price. He's going to be the guy that's catching most of these pitches in this rotation because he's a defensive guy. I think they're going to like to throw to him, and I think the organization is going to like to have him behind the plate with the ability to throw out base runners. So uh, that's just how I see it, and it's it's based on how the organization has felt about a kid, and they felt so strongly about him that I don't think uh, those feelings will change and we'll just have to wait and see, but uh, we'll keep an eye on it as spring training continues. And just one other bit of news here at spring training that because I, I told you last week about these players were showing up and fancy cars, fancy automobiles. Yoannis Cespedes, you know, he showed up in what was it, the fucking Batmobile, I think, last week, and uh, it was. It was a pretty amusing sight. It was a little outrageous, but it also led to the story of Yasiel Puig wanting to one-up, it seemed, some of these major leaguers that were showing up in these fancy cars. He wanted to one-up those guys, and the report was that Yasiel Puig was going to be riding in on a helicopter to games. He was going to buy his own helicopter, and that's a little outrageous. I told you that's where I think players around the league, even on his own team, are probably going to look at it. I don't even know where you would land at the fucking thing. Uh, so that that's that's crossing the line. Helicopters crossing the line. It's one thing if we want to roll our eyes at a car like the Batmobile that Yoannis Cespedes shows up in to his spring training. It's another thing if a player shows up landing in a fucking helicopter, right? Can't do that. That's crossing the line. But forget about helicopters. Forget about automobiles. Yoannis Cespedes showed up to spring training workouts today on horseback. <laughs> That's right, on horseback. Uh, you can't make this shit up. It's entertaining. Um, 
He wasn't the only one. I believe maybe, was it Syndergaard showed up on horseback with him? Somebody else did as well. But just when you thought you wouldn't have another crazy story as to how these guys show up to spring training, you got Yoannis Cespedes showing up to workouts at the ballpark on horseback. Can't make it up. But that's where we stand on March 1st in Major League Baseball. I'll keep an eye on it all and react to it. Any news that goes down, uh, I'm right here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, anywhere podcasts are available. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard, like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Danny Picard Show. All forms of social media. I am out. Talk to you tomorrow.